Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope your weekend was good. So nice to be back with you today. I've got my Bible open to Isaiah 55. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I definitely want to remind everybody that there is a sense of urgency in life. If you are not right with God, there's no better time than today. If today God is knocking on your heart and you need to be made right with him, please do it. If there's someone in your life that you need to reconcile with, um, make an effort, too, to reach out to that person and and get to uh, reconciliation or forgiveness, whatever. That's a good place to start. Got a great show today. My friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese, will be joining me in just uh, about five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Here he is. Patrick, welcome. Hey, I'm here. Yeah. So do you have time I to love, do... I love that, by the way. I love that Bible passage. It's, it's a reminder that, you know, God is always on the other side of that door. Yep, exactly. Just open it. Yeah. Do you have time to do the show today, or have you already accomplished everything you need to do for one day? It's unbelievable. I'm I'm fully... I don't know how I got into such a productive mood, but I'm I'm <laughs> approximately three and a half hours ahead of where I should be. Oh, that is in awesome. Any given decade, in uh, any given decade, I'm just going to expand that. I love that. Yeah, I sent you an article over the weekend because I found it interesting that I wanted to chat with a little bit. And it was really had to do with the whole idea of uh, delayed gratification and how uh, you take something something like Estee's stock, they've gone up 300%. Walmart's online shopping sales have doubled. And food delivery mm-hmm. is probably the, you know, is the new normal for what's ahead, the future. But yeah. Amazon is clearly the winner in this whole deal. And it's interesting because it talked about the way in which you can have this delayed gratification where you order something and then you've got that, you know, two-day or three-day before you get your product. And it gives you that, great sense of anticipation. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've all turned into Veruca salt from Willy Wonka. You know, <laughs> I want the Noompa Loompa and I want it now. <laughs> right. It's funny. It's, and you mentioned Amazon cause they are the, the king of everything. And it's amazing to think that, you know, 20 years ago, uh, Sears was probably given the opportunity to start transitioning to an online business and they're going, yeah, no, they just don't see that happening. Well, people, they would be Amazon today. If yeah. Sears had, transition. So we'd be talking about Sears Prime. But a lot of it does seem to go back to, you know, when you were a kid, nothing bad ever came in the mail, right? It was not, only, not stuff, only stuff you wanted. Stuff you wanted. You, you know, a, a Boy's Life magazine or Magic magazines when I was a kid, you'd be like, oh my gosh, the new issue is out. It's just like last month's issue, <laughs> except a different picture on the cover. Your STP sticker comes in the mail. You're as happy the as STP can be. stickers, yep. matchbox cars, yep. you know, after you somehow or another managed to scarf down five boxes of Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you were trying to, you're begging your mother, please just buy all five boxes now. I promise I'll eat them. <laughs> but I need five box stops. Yeah. Self-addressed stamped envelope. And then you would just, you'd anticipate that mailbox. I, and I feels like we're still wired that way that, uh, you know, we order from Amazon and you're going, well, this is stuff I want. 
bills come in the mail. I don't want those, but the things that's coming from Amazon or from everywhere else, these are the things I want. But then, you know, when you make the purchase, that's when you start the whole anticipation of, you know, your confirmation email that your order has been confirmed and then the shipping status and you've got all this further anticipation and you start to, you know, estimate when your shipment's going to come. And it's almost like you are more caught up in the process of it than anything. And I'm tracing this back to the idea that we need little glimmers of hope and little glimmers of anticipation in our in our lives. And if you're not getting it from God and from his word and from fellowship and community, I know you're going to be extra wired to want to get it from other places, even something as simple as online shopping. Well, and of course, you know, whenever we purchase something, it's to, it's it's either an overt attempt to improve the quality of our lives, you know, the 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 big speedboat, you know, I'm going to get the speedboat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or it's to fix a problem that is uh, affecting the quality of our life. So we say, well, this will solve that problem and it will make my life better. So there is kind of hope built into purchases, uh, even ones we don't necessarily want to make. You know, if your basement drain floods, uh, gets plugged up and floods, you don't want to spend a couple hundred dollars with, you know, the, the place that's going to clear it out. But when the problem is solved, you're happy again. And so we, we do have kind of a, a, a relationship you know, built into us that, like, if I do this, my life will be incrementally better, at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I, I don't know if we've kind of set that up with the Amazon stuff. But, you know, you and I, have we've both had many hobbies over the year that uh, have really failed, just haven't failed hobbies. At all. <laughs> <laughs> failed hobbies, you mean. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, things you can say. You know, the reason why you call it a hobby is because you just aren't good enough to make money at that. Exactly. But, um, you know, you, you might you might buy a new banjo book saying, well, this will be the one that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, this this if you buy a new magic trick when you're a magician, you say, oh, this uh, once this goes into my act. That's the I signature maker. That's it. That's <laughs> going to be the reputation maker. And right. Johnny Carson's going to be calling. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, and of course, we're disappointed most of the time. Uh, and or when the product arrives, you know, I, I'm sure you've done this, and I'm sure listeners have done this, where you say, "I can't wait to get this thing." Oh goodness, I'm so grateful that I have the two day delivery because uh, two days it's going to be hard to even wait the two days to get this thing that is going to make the difference in my life. And then it gets there, and a month later, you say, "I really should take the shrink wrap off of that." <laughs> <laughs> you've never opened it. Yeah. But I, I do you know, think – go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you've ever made the mistake of purchasing something you already own that you absolutely had to have oh, and yeah. you had to have two years ago when you bought it the last time and uh, didn't open it. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if we're in short supply uh, when it comes to hope uh, because there's something about – you've had a long day. Maybe you feel beat up, but you get home and you see this little package that got delivered on your front step and somehow that that gives you a little bit of a, a a hit or a dopamine hit or something. It's a little crazy, but uh, it seems like hope is kind of in short supply, especially in the world today. And I, I that's what I love about God's word and fellowship and community is it it always is there and it never disappoints. But you know, and and it's not true that hope is in short supply. That's an illusion. There's plenty of hope. God gives us plenty of hope. But there is a guy who would like you to think there is no hope. Yeah, that's true. That's his goal. 
And uh, we do, I, I think, mistakenly, I know I do it, uh, start to err on the side of thinking there's no hope, that it's hopeless, mm. you know, that uh, things aren't going to be good. But I, I have to remind myself that there is somebody out there who that's exactly what they want me to think. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. They want me discouraged. It's a lie, a, from lie. The, a lie from the pit of hell, as, as I like to say. Yeah, I mean that's, I mean that's a good origin place, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much where they come from. But it, but you know, like you remember the old saying, you know, we 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 spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't know. Yeah, or like, or like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 it seems like you know I don't know if that's part of the the hope thing too. That gosh, if I could get in with that circle of people you know, uh, that my life would be greatly improved. So let me overextend myself and see if I can get in with, let's say, the country club crowd. And once I'm in with the country club crowd, then then things are really going to start happening for me. And life will be great and it will be effortless and stress-free and worry-free and problem-free. Yeah. Well, you should at least be transparent with the, the audience, my audience and say you are in with the country club uh, crowd. You just happen to work as the valet. Yes, <laughs> I I happen to, and it's they. I had to buy my own jacket. In I, fact. I know, I know. Um, but uh, it's actually, in, I borrowed it, one. It's embroidered with the name Rodrigo. Right. I don't, uh, it's in, it's interesting how we get attached to stuff, though, and we we either you know to your point, if you have an attachment for things, you wonder if the things are bringing you uh, a sense of where am I in my life relative to my own personal happiness or comparatively speaking to others because i think it's more a guy thing than than anything how you do compare yourselves based on the job the the car the you know status the, the status yeah it's it's a horrible thing and if you seek I, your identity in that you're done well and, and i don't i don't know if there's ever an an ultimate end game where you say i have arrived there isn't um, no, I mean, you can see it with, you know, some, we have multi-billionaires that, uh, of course, you know, from our perspective, you'd say, well, what more could you possibly want? And there's something that's still driving them. There's a, a, a saying that you had, uh, you know, said to me more than once about we're always trying to, you know, put into a, a hole in our heart, uh, uh, you know, we're trying to fill it with things that only God, God's the only thing that can fill that. Yeah, that's the old Blaise so Pascal quote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he he's paraphrasing you, and then you paraphrase it back. Um, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. It's... I guess that was before your time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, the, the reality is 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 it seems like even these little purchases are are yet further attempts to find, you know, a a, a little ray of sunshine in the world, or a little bit more happiness, or a little bit more fulfillment. And you know, then you can look at somebody like Paul and say. He found his greatest happiness in the most dire of circumstances. How is that possible? I know. We, most of us couldn't grasp it. We'd say that's just not even possible. Mm-hmm. And yet it happened, and it happened to lots of people. And you and I, uh, I'm sure, in fact, we had some friends in Ireland that uh, lost a home to a fire. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think they lost two homes to a fire. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a devastating thing. But because uh, you lose a lot of personal stuff. But, you know, when you've sometimes you talk to those people, they say it was an amazing thing that happened as well. I realized how little of everything I had I really need. Mm-hmm. I had so much. 
I'm not recommending, by the way, this way of dispersing with all of your possessions. But uh, I'm, I'm often stunned when you hear that. You say, what? And they say, well, you know, suddenly I realized, what, what did I have all of that stuff for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, an interesting point. Uh, do you own it or does it own you? I mean, that's always where you sort of figure out how much power it has over you. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with having some nice things, but as long as you, you own them and you share them and you realize they are a gift from God and you want to make them uh, those gifts available to other people, I think that's a good thing. They're loners. They're loners. They're Everything's loners. A, what isn't a loner in this life? Yeah, it's also darn temporary, you know. And so, it's, what was the old classic joke about, uh, you know, the guy uh, not taking it with him, but he put a check in his pocket before he was buried? You say, well, I just don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if you can redeem that check on the other side, but, um, you know, it's just whatever you accumulate. Yeah, yeah. It's, it ceases the day you cease. Indeed. Let me take a little break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We'll be back in ninety seconds. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to the show. So glad to be talking with my friend Patrick Albanese from the great state of Iowa. Got a nice uh, quote line from a a listener, Patrick, that said... uh, heard this quote you may like a house is the place where we keep stuff safe while we go out and get more stuff <laughs> <laughs> remember that old george carlin routine about we have to get a bigger house because we got to you know find a place to put our, all our extra stuff yeah and we just keep accumulating stuff i've said this on the air before and i don't want to sound uh repetitive but in i think 1950 the average family uh lived in a thousand seventy five square feet and now the average home size is 1485 and in 1950 there were zero storage spaces and today there's 1 million storage spaces yeah and here's another thing you remember those houses from the 1950s the the master bedroom closet was approximately 14 square inches <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's uh, you had two suits uh, for, you know, dad had a couple of suits and mom had a couple of dresses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just we we had so little. And now, you know, like my sister has this rather large house with a closet in the master bedroom that is almost as big as my first apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things have changed. Yeah, and it's just as cramped as my first bedroom, my first yeah. apartment was. Too. Yeah. So but, uh, yeah, things have changed. You heard a good message at church on Sunday, and you were telling me a little bit about it, and and do share. Yeah, well, you know, uh, of course, you know how much I love my church. I know you and, do. Uh, I I keep thinking at some point in time, you know, they're going to run out of steam, you know. <laughs> But they don't. And so it was uh, Mark chapter 4, Parable of the Sower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, Eugene Peterson. Oh, yeah. And uh, they had run a small clip of a, of a, a great interview. Uh, what a lovely, lovely man. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the questions the uh, interview had asked him 
is, uh, you know, how many books have you written? And he said, 35. Uh, that doesn't include the message because I didn't write that one. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I transcribed. Right. But I didn't write it. That's not my writing. So you won't even take credit for this book that he wrote that has helped introduce a lot of people, you know, to the to the good word. But uh, the other the thing that was great about the parable of the sower and, and one of the things I, I, I kind of enjoyed in some of the takeaway is, you know, after Jesus you know, tells the parable, I love how the apostles are like, I don't get it. You know, <laughs> they, they kind of do the uh, the sort of a Vinnie Barbarino. I don't get it. And, <laughs> and it's, it's one of the few times where Jesus says, you, you understand I speak in parables. So let me explain what the parable, what the things mean, mm -hmm. you know, that, that this is, uh, you know, if you can't understand this parable, you won't understand any of my parables. The farmer sows the word and some people along the path, the word is sown. Uh, so he had gone into some great detail on it. And, and some of my, my favorite takeaways is how, uh, thanks to social media, one of the things is we've all become a, a little bit more of the, we're not the fertile ground anymore. Yeah. Uh, and we, we are, we are quickly looking for a reason to dismiss. We're looking for a reason to reject a message or even a person, you know, where you can, you can scour somebody's beliefs. And I do see this on social media all the time where somebody says, you know, we can't be friends anymore because you believe this one thing. Uh, uh, you know, or, or you support a, a certain person or, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't like your haircut, mm -hmm. but we look for reasons to dismiss and, and. And we've all, of course, experienced where somebody wants to be able to dismiss Christianity based on that a Christian uh, shows signs of hypocrisy. And so they dismiss Christianity because of a, a, a flawed Christian, which, of course, that's all of us. Yeah. But we, we look for that. And we now live in a time where it's become much more easy to scrutinize and look for the thing that allows you to dismiss somebody entirely, to dismiss a, th a line of thought, a way of thinking and believing. And, and, and one of the things I love that the pastor said, he says, imagine if God looked at us that way. You know, if he said, oops, I found your flaw, you know, I'll have nothing to do with you. Yeah. That's not grace. No. We're called to ex exhibit the same type of grace as, as, as best we can with our, with our human frailties and flaws. But, you know, it's, I started to realize from hearing that, I said, you know, how often am I that fertile ground or am I, you know, am I the weeds where, where the word has been sown? And, uh, uh, you know, am I, am I too quick to dismiss people? You know, am, am I a, a, a stone ground or am I, um, you know, in the past I've easily been the type of sort of the sand where you can quickly take root and get pretty excited about something and burn out pretty quickly under the slightest amount of, you know, stress or, gee, things aren't going perfectly in my life, so it must be God's fault he's not real, yeah. which is uh, an ironic statement I mean, in itself, I, isn't I mean, it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I know you don't believe that for a second, but there no, is... No, no, I'm the, talking about my old me. Old the me. old you, of course. Yeah, the old you. But there's also that, that thing where you can try evangelizing or doing something that's a little out of your comfort zone, and that if that doesn't go well, you can feel like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's... I can't do this again. And that has to, you just have to plow through that and realize that you just have to try something. And if you fail at it, try again. And you know, it's, it's I call I that mean, my radio show. I think that is a radio. That's a complete, you're, you're, you might be done for the day. <laughs> might might be. <laughs> but it's true. Like I had a, a friend that got me and I had stopped performing for years and there was something about fearing, <laughs> 
fearing not being good. And uh, uh, she was so eloquent about it. She said, well, just so you know, you won't be. So get used to it and get up there and get get the bad over with. Mm-hmm. Get it over with. She said, and, and, and the truth is, is if you think it went really well, maybe it did. But if you don't look back upon that a couple years later and say that wasn't that good, then you haven't improved at all. And so just get it over with. Yeah. Get up there, perform, and it's okay to stink. Yeah. Uh, and it's okay to be an awkward and somewhat uncomfortably clumsy evangelizer at first. Yeah. You're not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but it's it's okay. You have to just let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not about you, and it never will be about you. It's about Jesus and what Jesus did for the people that you're speaking to. Always keep that in mind, and remember that you're planting seeds, and it's uh, the Holy Spirit's job to to take it from there. So, yeah, I think your point's very well taken, Patrick. There's No one's going to feel comfortable right away. You're going to make mistakes. No. You're going to wish you had do-overs, but keep doing it. Yeah, and then it gets better. It does uh, get better. Know. And that's that's true about anything of, of you know, it's uh, I don't know if you've uh, ever had a banjo teacher that said, you know, if you really want to get good at this, what you have to do is go play with other people. And of course, your immediate reaction is I, I could not subject anybody to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the truth is that uh, you have to put yourself in that most uncomfortable situation of of being that guy in that little mini bluegrass band that's no good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you'll find that the people around you are actually much more supportive, just like when you're first learning how to do any kind of, like, say, artsy, artsy thing. You're going to sit at the feet of people who have done it well, and they're going to encourage you. They're not going to laugh at you. They're not going to uh, – in the same thing with evangelizing. It's not like people are going to laugh and point and, uh, you know, uh, be like a Simpsons character. Right. You know, uh, yeah. And by all means, don't uh, be reluctant to join into a Bible study if you're afraid that your uh, lack of biblical knowledge is going to embarrass you. Uh, just trust that you're going to be in a great environment where people are going to love on you and care for you and offer you grace and kindness. And and you can ask questions. I mean, the the, the real problem is when you don't ask questions. That's all I do well, on the show is ask questions. Yeah. You know, the old saying, uh, you know, well, I, I say it. Maybe you don't know this old saying, but here it is. And now it'll be your old saying, you know, when you, when you talk, you repeat what you already know. When you listen, you learn. And, you know, I, I think you go to, uh, they say that, you know, if you really want to learn, you know, know something, you have to teach it. So when you go to a Bible study and ask questions, you're not pestering people. What you're really doing is furthering and deepening their understanding of the scripture. You're helping them by mm-hmm. asking questions yeah. because you know, it, it, it does help. I mean, I, I know that with you. You love to answer questions if I have a question about a passage from the Bible. Yeah. And uh, you love to dig around and say, wait a second. You I know, do. I, we're I asked that question of a pastor of mine. And, yeah, we're out know. of time, my friend. Well, talk to you next week. I'll talk to you next All week. Right. Patrick Albany has been my friend and guest. We'll take a short break and be back with the Monday Afternoon Mix.
Welcome back to the show. It's time for the Monday afternoon mix. David Miles is on our studio line. Hello, David. Hey there, Bill. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We're sans Rebecca today, but that's uh, so it's you and me, my friend. Oh, wow, man. It's going to be good. It is going to be good. And we, we are missing Rebecca. So. Of course we are. So here's, here's a line from uh, author Tim Keller. He said, out of the cross comes the resurrection. Out of weakness comes real strength. Out of repentance and admitting you are weak comes real power. Out of giving away and serving others comes real strength. Out of generosity and giving your money away comes real wealth. That's the gospel line. I like that. That is good. And that, you know, that, Bill, that is the gospel. And, and one of the things that I think that strikes us about that entire thing that you just said that Keller noted is that it's actually so counter-cultural to everything that we, we understand or, or, or the things that we're told, you know, because it's told, you know, top dog wins, he yep. with the most toys wins in the end. Actually, he or he with, with the most toys wins when he dies mm-hmm. you know, but actually he who dies <laughs> still dies right. you got all the toys or not but it really has in mind what jesus said about laying down your life and losing your life for his sake yeah i think it's more like he who dies with the most toys forces family to have the biggest garage sale yeah that that is one and and kind of as a side note to that this is this actually is not even a part of our conversation today. Um, but as a side note, uh, for parents, um, you know, as a pastor, we, we get to work with people who are going through loss and then, you know, kids and family having to work that out. And a number of times I've asked parents, you know, like, have you, do you have like a, a will in place or do you kind of put your things in order? And they're kind of like, oh, no, you know, we're just going to leave it and, you know, we'll just kind of let it work out or or we said we split everything down equally and it's like no if you do love your children uh because we believe sin is real uh that one of the the gifts that you could give to your family is is making sure you get those issues in order before you pass away before you transition to glory um do your family a favor by actually having the necessary conversations about this Mm, another uh Piece of wisdom from David Miles. I love that. <laughs> I don't know if this wisdom for me. I think there's much wiser people out there who have noted that. Um, so yeah. yeah. So let's jump into the uh, the topic of the day. Awesome. Well, the topic always is God's word and the awesomeness of the gospel. Amen. Um, and I think one of the things that makes the gospel awesome is that. You know, no matter what a day brings, because we're God's children, he is with us. And we, we see the truism of that in Romans um, 8, when Paul is writing and, and he's saying, neither height nor death, nor angels nor demons, or anything uh, will separate us from the love of God. And the other thing with that um, is community picking up from last week. So community in the gospel, when we face life's um, unexpected things. So, Bill, this week um, I was talking with my students in the spiritual formations class at Northwestern, and uh, had shared a verse out of uh, out of Psalm sixty-eight, verse nine, and it was a really neat verse uh, from a devotional time that we had as a staff at New Hope Church. Uh, in verse nineteen, it says, "Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up, 
God is our salvation. And one of the reasons that verse was shared by Matthew St. John, a dear brother and friend and minister of the Lord, was we had had unexpected news that morning that one of our very dear parishioners and one of our very dear own at New Hope Church, um, Sophie Ferrant, had passed away that morning, 19 years old. Oh, I'm so sorry. Unexpected. Wow. And, uh, you know, when, when things like, you know, sometimes we try to beautify it. It just kind of stinks, you know, if I can use in proper vernacular, kind of, it's kind of sucky when something like that happens apart from the gospel, but it still is just like a really, it's a very hard thing. And, um, and especially for parents, um, you know, Bill, in my, in my being a pastor and even studying and words and stuff, when a man loses his wife, we call them a widower. And when a woman loses her husband, we call them a widow. But to date, and I, I've looked and I've talked with people from different cultures, there is no word for when a parent loses a child. There's literally no categories mm-hmm. uh, for that. Um, and so, you know, as a staff in a church family, you know, reeling with that, with the family, heart going out. But even in that, what I just said, as a church family, really, but doing it together in community. And, and I guess, like, if you're driving home today, um, and maybe you're one of our beloved people in our heart-filled audience from the Heartfield Channel out in Connecticut, and you're driving home from work today, and you're not a part of a, a faith community, a group of believers who love Christ, and you've been wondering to yourself, you know what, do I go back to church? You know, I've kind of, I, you know, life has been hard, and church really is a group of perfectly imperfect people, and none of us have it together except for Jesus, which is why Jesus is the only one who transformed us. But let me encourage you in this season to be connected to community. And if you're a believer listening right now, and just at this moment, someone's mind, name, came to your mind or heart that the Lord's been, been talking to you, encouraging you to pray for, whatever, will you reach out to that person, like, right away? Like, don't set it to the side. Reach out and say, you know what? I'm thinking about you. Um, I care about you. I'm praying for you. You know, would you would you like to come to my small group, life group? Would you like to join me at church? Would you like to Zoom or get together for coffee? Um, because community and the gospel are such powerful and needed and necessary things for life. God did not make us to be alone mm-hmm. in community. And we are going to be maybe the only gospel people are going to encounter. So it's important that we extend these invitations. One of my favorite Billy Graham quotes was, imitating Christ is opening the door to friendship. Yeah. Wow. But the idea of losing a child, it's it's, it's incomprehensible. And I know people who have lost children, there is obviously no experience like it. And there's, you know... That's something that is the rest of their life. Of course it is. And it uh, requires lots and lots of grace 
because it's unimaginable. It is. And, you know, Bill, one of the things um, we were talking here, I think last week or the week before, and we talked about a, a homegoing service that I did for a believer named Harold Logan. And uh, just really a neat, powerful thing. And I think that's kind of one of the things that's coupled in our church family, having someone who lived a life long and well and loved people in Christ, and then that sudden loss of someone who's so young. And and you feel it as a parent. You know, you feel it as an uncle, a niece. You know, my mom was a church mother. So anything that happened to her spiritual children, she felt that. Mm-hmm. And so, and Paul spoke about Timothy being his son, you know, in the gospel. Um, so, so you, you feel that. And one of the things is sometimes and oftentimes when people lose a loved one, we sometimes feel a a struggle. You know, what do I say? You know, how do I, you know, come alongside of this person? And, you know, Job's friends were right in the beginning of providing the, the ministry of presence, um, you know, I I sat down with parents when, when things like this happen, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dress this up. This sucks. I mean, I mean it it hurts. And and biblically speaking, when Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb in in John 11, uh, there's there's a verse there that describes how he feels, and it, and it literally means that his nostrils flared. Hmm as he's on his way, because God made us for life and relationship with him and sin broke that. And as, and this is kind of, you know, PDM sanctified imagination a little bit, but literally that when Jesus was walking to the tomb, he was ready to take death by the neck. And he called out, he said, Lazarus, come out. But he was going to the cross to literally take death by the neck and say, you no longer have ultimate dominion because that, is the the pain and the devastation that death brings now there's some beautiful things about it but pain is separation or death is separation and uh you know that that's a that's a hard thing but on that though after a person passes and i've begun to do this in closing out funerals in homegoing services i literally have people as they're waiting to be ushered out i'll say take out your phone and pick a a date, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, three months, six months, a year, and make an appointment with yourself to call that person. Because today everyone's around, but very quickly everyone goes away. And uh, one of the things that people have often said, they're like, you know, PDM, this, this person's lost this loved one. You know, and I'm afraid, like, if I talk to them, you know, it's going to make them remember or it's going to cause them to have tears. Well, number one, they haven't forgotten about their loved one. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're thinking about it regularly. And number two, and hear me, clear audience, hear me, hear me, dear friends, this on this. Number two, tears are a part of the healing. It's a part of the remembering. So true. And that is a a gift you're offering somebody to go into that space. It might be uncomfortable. It might produce tears, but it would be so therapeutic and healing, I hope anyway. You know, sometimes people like to push feelings down and they don't like them brought up. But I think for the most part, 
honoring somebody, remembering them, telling them that you care about that person even though they're gone, and you're thinking of them and and you are missing them is just such a gift. Yeah. And it seems counterculture to say if I like you opened up with Keller's comment, it seems countercultural like, you know, you're gonna flip pain. If the person doesn't want to talk, they'll also tell you, um, sometimes. Um, but I've sat down with people um at a table uh for an event and met someone new and they were a widow. And I would just ask them, like, you know, tell me about your husband. What was his name? I'll even ask things like, what color was his eyes mm-hmm. and, his, and his hair? You know, tell me, how did you meet him? And you will hear some of the most amazing stories that people will share. I've had this conversation with a person standing in line at the post office. And the person on their own volunteered and said, I'm going to watch my grandchildren. My husband died and actually asked me. And when we got done, what she shared with me about her husband, I was like, thank you so much for sharing. And she's like, no, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Do you know that no one ever asked me those questions? No. And because this person, they've spent you know, like for Elaine Logich, you know, she spent decades with her husband. For Darla and Jim Ferran, that that was their that's their daughter for nineteen years. And how much love and how much tears and how much prayer and how much hope and how much even when children didn't necessarily like that discipline timeout, you're grounded. Where you're doing it and you're like, Lord, am I doing the right thing? I'm trusting you. How much of that's been poured in? And that that's a part of their journey. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's honoring the person and even honoring the family to say, no, God made that once an eternity creation. And here's the thing. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. God has given an opportunity to bear uh, the family up in that moment and remembrance and kind of a, a side note on that bill. Sometimes we don't ask the question because we're concerned about how it will make us feel in our uncomfort. than sometimes it is ministering to the person. In front yeah. Of us. Wise, wise, David, let me take a short break. David miles is my guest. This is the Monday afternoon mix. We'll be right back. Monday afternoon mix. Miles and Arnold, no Maxwell today. She's on the taking a day off, but we're uh, we're getting on without her today. We're going to do our best, David. Yeah, it's kind of just like a ma, you know. Uh, yeah, without the rest of the M. It's thirty-three and a third percent less intelligent today. <laughs> well, without Rebecca, it might be like you know sixty-six percent. Yeah. You and I are. Yeah, and I are splitting that whatever that fraction of that. I, I recuse is. myself. <laughs> so, we were talking about having you know sometimes um, conversations that may seem uncomfortable for us, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Bill, one of the one of the uh, verses that I know that you love and that you shared with us a number of times is out of Ephesians, 
and Ephesians uh, 4.29, uh, where it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, mm-hmm. tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So um, we've sometimes have gotten, you know, people have, have sometimes said for us as Minnesotans that, you know, we'll do Minnesota nice where sometimes we don't have open conversations that we, that we may need to. Have you ever heard that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think of that? Uh, well, I'm going to let you answer that one. <laughs> I'd rather See, hear your perspective. Where, this we, is where Rebecca, Rebecca would come in. Yeah. This would be wonderful because Rebecca's wisdom, you know, um, I don't, I, we're polite and we're very cordial people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there's sometimes people sit on the coast, like one of my friends from, from the East Coast says, you know, you meet someone, you insult each other, you punch each other in the face, and you're friends for life. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a generality and probably not exactly true. I'm sure folks in our Hartford audience are like, PDM, you're so wrong on that, you know. Um, but, you know, we're, we're a culture where we'll meet someone with like, hey, we should get together, and then you don't. And then you see them again, hey, we should get together. And uh, someone, one of my friends on the East Coast is like, well, when I came and someone said we should get together, we didn't get together. It's like, okay, do you want to do this or not? But I would say that sometimes we do have a little Minnesota nice. Sometimes we can be passive aggressive. Sometimes we don't have straight on conversations. Sometimes I'll use that, not in absolutes. Um, And, you know, that it kind of segues into a conversation that my wife and I had last night. And so we sat down and had a conversation with one of our neighbors, uh, with our daughter and their daughter. Um, the situation had arisen itself. Um, and the scripture that you love plays a huge part in this. Um, but it had come to the fore uh, that, you know, my, my beautiful little ch- German chocolate daughter, someone had called her the N-word. And so uh, it was one of those things that, you know, parents, and we have a good relationship with this family, so it's kind of what happened. Then out of it, some other words were used and a text thread and things like that. So anyways, um, as parents, we decided, let's sit down and let's talk about this, you know, instead of kind of just brushing things underneath the carpet. And so so we sat down last night and, and talked and just, like, opened up and said, you're both, you know, beautiful, strong, growing into young women. And it's because we love you and are called to shepherd your heart that we want to have this conversation. And so we, we talked about it. And, uh, you know, the one parents, they were like, you know, this is not our family. We don't. And what it found out is that the one neighbor had heard another child in the neighborhood using it and had used the word. So we decided to ask the question. We said, hey, you know, like, what do you understand that word to be? You know? And it was the response of, you know, well, it's an insult, it's offensive. And so we kind of unpacked the word and some of the damage with the word. Talked about things like that word has been used to separate, to maim, to make otherwise, um, to make other, to, to separate people, even to death. And um, there's, there's a part of our history that I really never learned, was never taught 
uh, of, of where after after reconstruction there were people burned at the stake mm -hmm. like literally burned alive and they would have people gather in groups of 500 a thousand um 10,000 15,000 um came across a picture named ed mccoy who was burned at a stake charred beyond recognition after being tortured of 30,000 people gathered and so we talked through that and just said you know there's this reality of how words have been used to weaponize. And then we talked a little bit about group chats and how that amounts to slander and what the other girl just sharing her art and saying, you know, I heard this talk happening around me and I wasn't a part of it. And then, you know, someone else, our daughter had texted that and used the B word. And so then we talked a little bit about that and how that word had been used to, to, objectify to otherize to harm um to cause assault and even death towards women you know and unfortunately we've heard that in this past year used by congressmen against other congress people and that's an unfortunate thing no matter who you are because people are image bearers first mm -hmm. but we you know one of the things is that it was kind of one of those conversations where it could have been best it seems like you know you could have just let it go and but it seemed really important um to have the conversation and one of the things that we talked about was saying you know naturally some have said you know hey you know what but other people use this word like i've had people say to me you know hey people use the n-word and so uh i had a conversation with someone and i asked the guy would you be okay with someone walking up to your mother and calling her the b word he's like no those are fighting words and i said how about your wife or daughter and he's like no and I explained to him that there's several comics in the in the United States who who are Anglo and call other women the B word, mm -hmm. and that there's a hundred million Anglo's and there's only forty thousand black people, forty million black people total. So I said you have to be okay with that. And he's like, no, I punched the person. So I just simply asked him, then why are you standing in front of me as a fellow image bearer and asking if you can use that same language, similar offensive language? But the important part, Bill, was being able to have a conversation with these girls and then apply God's word to it and get to the point of saying, girls, in life, you're going to come across people. You're going to have people that you, don't, that you don't like. But here's the thing. Applying Ephesians 4, 29 through 31, and then saying, be kind, be tenderhearted to one another, forgiving one another just as God and Christ forgave you, that you are a, an imperfect person. Like, like we say, you'll never have to forgive a fallen and imperfect person more than a perfect and holy God has forgiven you. And what was so sweet about it was that's a real life conversation of applying the gospel and applying it for a couple that we've been praying for and building relationships with in our, in our, in our neighborhood. Mm. And by not glossing over it, but stepping into it, with the grace, with the truth of Jesus Christ, and with the gospel. That's beautiful, David. I love verse 29. So, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. It seems that there would be great wisdom in coming up with, uh, it, amongst the family, a list of words that are going to get retired, that we're not going to use anymore, that aren't going to come out of our mouths, because we're supposed to use words that are helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
You know, if believers today just took that approach as to how we communicate in the world, we could uh, make some big changes real fast. Yeah, we can make some changes. And here's the neat thing, Bill. As you hear that, because it happens. I mean, it, it happens in workplaces. It happens in churches. I mean, like, I'm not a miss to think that people don't use that, that type of language and even feel that way. But this is a wonderful opportunity always in those situations to apply the gospel of Jesus Christ and speak the gospel into that moment in a very powerful way. And that door is open. So as those situations provide, pray, say, Holy Spirit, Lord, fill me with Holy Spirit. Help me to step in it and be your representative of the gospel. Mm -hmm. David, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, joining me today without uh, Rebecca. But we'll, uh, we'll be back on track hopefully next week. Sounds wonderful. You guys have a great day. Thanks. Blessings to you. And when he, uh, David, when you say uh, uh, PDM, that's Pastor David Miles, I just need to let listeners know that that reference might be lost on some folks, but I just want to say when you say PDM, you're referring to yourself, which... Yeah, uh, sorry about that, speaking in the third person. So either Pastor David Miles... Uh, in church, and then Professor David Miles when I'm teaching gotcha. Northwestern. Have a, have a so, great day. You too. Thanks. We'll be right back with Hour 2. We've got Professor Ken Samples coming up. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.